city, baby. When you see us, so you know you really viewing greatness in the making. Double up on facts, we stating. Podcast and cruise control, city, state, the nation. So what you saying, what we saying, prime information. Facts, keys to the city, we're locking the statements. Streaming every Friday. And ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Clovercrest Media presents Keys to the City. We are streaming on all social media platforms at Keys to the City. So check, subscribe, comment, share, or like. What a crazy weekend it was. The madness began. And now we're going to reveal the March Madness Tournament. Did we really expect this to happen? Or should we act like be surprised by the results so far early on in the first week of March Madness? We'll get into that. But it was also a big and much-anticipated weekend for Big Blue. The New York football giants came in from the beginning of the – or end of the week, I should say, about Friday, hoping to get a deal done with the number one offensive weapon in this free agency class, and that was Kenny Galladay. And a lot of Giant fans weren't anticipated. We were waiting. We were patiently waiting. You can see on Twitter, I shouldn't say patiently. People were losing their minds. But finally, the Giants get a deal done – with Kenny Galladay, the number one weapon, like I said, on this free agency class. I look at this, plain and simple, this was all about Daniel Jones. You had to get him a weapon. We complained about it. It was one of the biggest needs going into this offseason. They get Kenny Galladay. I know a lot of people are like, oh, man, the money. Wow, $18 million a year. He asked for 18 and a half. He got 18. So it's a four-year deal. $72 million could go up to $76 million, and he gets $40 million guaranteed. But the Giants weren't done. We'll get into that in just a sec. And then the Giants decide to go get Adoree Jackson, former first-round pick from the USC Trojans, former Tennessee Titan, only 24 years old. So the New York Giants making huge moves. Ted, I know we talk about make or break for Daniel Jones, but I was looking at actually an article this morning how somebody came, of course, there's going to be a negativity about these big signings. Is this the 2016 draft uh, free agency class where the Giants went all big on Olivier Vernon, Damian Harrison, and they got Janoris Jenkins? It worked for a year, but then it tra- and then you saw how the debacle began for Big Blow. What do you think of these signings of a Dory Jackson and Kenny Galladay as the newest additions of New York Football Giants? Well, to your point, what you just said about 2006, and I think this has nothing to do with 2006. This is just a last minute. That was a last minute run to see if Eli could have one more run to the Super Bowl. And then listen, if if Eli Manning played better and young, and listen, we talked about that game when it happened, and I'm not going to get into it, but there was a lot of mistakes made in that game. Um, our players did not play well. We had a lot of drop passes in that game because Eli actually played really well in that game, and we had an opportunity to beat Green Bay. But just like we had done it to them when they caught the Hail Mary at halftime. We knew that game was over. Moving on from that, whatever. We went for it. It worked out. We made the playoffs. This is about building. The Giants are building toward a future. They got a lot of young players on this team. This is a make or break for Daniel Jones. There is no more excuses. We saw that the Jets and a lot of other teams – I'll use an example. The Jets did not do anything to help Sam Darnold since they have drafted him. Then you go to the Cleveland Browns, who drafted Baker Mayfield number one. What have they done? They, they picked up Kareem Hunt after he was dropped because of legal issues from Kansas City. They drafted Nick Chubb from, from Georgia. Been a, one of the best backs with Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. You traded for Odell Beckham. You signed Jarvis Landry. You went to get David Njoku in the draft. Then last year in free agency, you got Austin Hooper. 
Then you go. Don't get forget him. about. Don't forget about the offensive line. They also. Then get. Then I was going to get right to it. Last year in free agency, Zach Conklin, and then you get the kid from Alabama, the left Cedric tackle, Wills. Cedric mm-hmm. Wills, and, and 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 their offensive line in general. I forget the guy, the guards in the center, but they played really well. So they put pieces for Baker Mayfield to be successful, and we saw how successful he was. Now. We've talked about this. The Giants needed a legit number one. We haven't had a legit number one since Odell Beckham. We got it. Kenny Galladay, I think you sent me a stat, something similar to when we got Baxter Burris that didn't work out with Pittsburgh when he was with the Steelers. Kenny Galladay, young guy, 27 years old, good-sized guy. When he's healthy, he's one of the most productive receivers in the league. Big question, when he's healthy. We all hope as Giant fans that he could stay healthy. Because when he is healthy, he's one of the most productive receivers in the league. So you get a number one receiver. You have Sterling Shepard. You have Darius Slayton. You have Evan Ingram. We just got Kyle Rudolph. I was talking with Cousin Bernard yesterday. If you want, you can use Evan Ingram as the second or third receiver. Have him and uh, Gallaudet as your wideouts with Shepard in the slot. You could put Rudolph as the t- middle tight end to work the, work the middle of the field. You got Barkley, and then you sign Booker. From um, the Oakland Raiders, uh, excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders, who you know used to play for the Denver Broncos, but you got pieces here. Now, the biggest question is how well will this offensive line play? Now, I think with weapons, Daniel Jones might not have to hold the ball for five seconds. We can get the ball out two, three seconds. But this is on Daniel Jones. If the Giants have a piss poor season, it's going to be on Daniel Jones. Unless freakishly we have multiple injuries, but this is on Daniel Jones to be successful because if not. We have to move on from him, and I think with all this free agency moves, this leads us to building more in the draft with defensive side of the ball. But I love the Adoree Jackson move. you got to understand, folks, he had a hurt knee last year. But if you look at his previous seasons before that, he was really good. He fits the Giants' scheme perfectly. He's athletic. He's super fast. He matches up well as a complimentary cornerback to Bradbury, who's long and lanky. You still have Darnell Holmes. You still have Xavier McKinney who's going to come back after only playing the last four games. You had Jabril Peppers with Logan Ryan. You're talking about maybe one of the best secondaries in football coming up in 2021 season. So here's the thing that I, I sent you about the Plaxico and Galladay scenarios, how pretty intriguing parallels. And this is from WBG 84 on Twitter. Plaxico and Galladay joined the Giants at the age of 27. Plax and Galladay had two 1,000 yard receiving seasons at 26 or younger. Plax and Galladay were injured the season before joining the Giants. Oh, and by the way, Eli Manning was 24 when he got Plax. Daniel Jones, is only 24 when he got Kenny Galladay. So yes, the Giants finally went out and look. I, I looked at it. I was reading um, Jordan Renan back before this all happened. It need. Is this Galladay or is this Galladay or bust for the New York Giants? And you saw the receivers starting to go. You saw Juju go back to the Steelers, kind of a bit of a surprise. Got Corey Davis going to the Jets. Will Fuller going to the Dolphins. Curtis Samuel going to the Washington Football Team. At one point, you're thinking. The Giants don't get Kenny Galladay. The Giants are going to have some serious issues. Now, whether that may be, what are they going to do in the draft? But thankfully, they get their guy. And I know people say, oh, the money's ridiculous. He's not an 18. I know. But sometimes when you want your guy, you have to pay for him and you have to go for him. And there was teams like the Bears who were intrigued by him. Who knows if the Ravens were as intrigued as they said. But this is all about Daniel Jones. You you drafted him a couple years ago, sixth overall. He hasn't had a full complimentary team. His plethora of weapons. He's only had it once. 
And it was not for long until, the, until Saquon went down. So they also, on top of getting Galladay, they get Saquon back as well. They get Kyle Rudolph, who, as we know, is a very, very dependable, reliable red zone target. He doesn't drop the ball. Red zone. If there's one thing that Giant fans know from any season and smart Giant fans is that we are not a great team in the red zone. You have Kenny Galladay, who's one of the best in the red zone now. He's one of the big play receivers, 50-50 ball guys, that if you throw it up, you have a great chance of him coming down with it. He led the league twice in touchdowns before getting injured. And then you got Kyle Rudolph. This takes the pressure off of Evan Ingram. This takes the pressure off of Darius Slayton. This takes the pressure off of uh, Sterling Shepard. And it takes the pressure off of Saquon Barkley as too, as being the guy now. This giant offense could really open up and really exploit a lot of defenses coming up next year. Now, the most important thing is the offensive line. I don't care how great of what weapons we are. And we've seen that before when we have Odell, when we had uh, Shepard, we had Ingram, we had Barkley. It don't matter. If you don't have a protection, if you don't have a line, look at the Kansas City Chiefs. You don't have any protection. It's going to be another long season. This is the guy they wanted from the beginning. Dave Gettleman, once again, gives Giant fans headaches, but yet also says, Got to give you a little bravo for it because you went out and got your guy. And then huge signing of Dory Jackson on top of it is even a, a bigger bonus to now team up with James Bradbury, who was an, almost an all-pro last year, one of the best in the game. Now you get a guy that's 24 years old. That secondary is so young and can be so lethal in this game for a long time. Trev, now think about this. As you were talking, I was just, I want, you know, we've kind of, you as me and special, we have criticized Gettleman. I think a lot of Giants fans have. Oh, all Giants fans have. But if you look at, look back two years ago, you trade for Leonard Williams, all right? So he had a really good end of the season with the Giants after he was traded for the Jets, had a really good season last year, and now he just got paid for the Giants. So we know about that. One of the better defensive linemen in football, at least the way he played last year, and we're hoping that continues going forward, and he, and, and hoping that he gets better. Signed Bradbury last year. Signed Blake Martinez. And then late when no one else did, signed Logan Ryan. You look at those three guys. Look at the production, what they meant to that Giants defense last year. If we can get that same production from Kenny Galladay, from Adoree Jackson, from Kyle mm-hmm. Rudolph. And so, I mean, listen, I don't know if you realize, we, we also signed Reg, Reggie Raglan, who was a first-round yeah. pick, I believe, or second-round pick. No, he was a second-round pick. Second-round pick from the Chiefs. Played for Alabama. Another Nick Saban guy just signed from Washington. uh, Ryan Anderson, the outside linebacker, one-year deal. So another guy who can play the run, can can uh, can be a pass rushing guy on on special accounts. It gives the Giants versatility because you got Lorenzo Carter and Exam Zines who are both coming off major injuries. So listen, it's going to add depth to this defensive line. It's going to give us versatility. It's going to give us options. We don't have to just be so stagnant. We can use multiple sets. We can you know, we can do that where we play a multiple defense, where we can run two D linemen and five linebackers or four linebackers. We can put peppers in the box and play with three safeties. It's going to give the Giants a lot of versatility. We saw the Giants last year without a preseason, without any mini camp, without any really training beforehand, that Giants defense really progress and be one of the top defenses in the league. What is that going to say this year when the Giants can really have an off-season training, a mini camp, a preseason, yeah. more practice time, a second year in the system, just like our offense. We talked about this too. Having Jason Garrett and having Daniel Jones together for another year is only going to better for Daniel Jones going forward. 
you know, it's kind of uh, – Let me say that. Let me close out with this. Kind of, you know, pooper, get off the pot. You know what I mean? You know, yeah, figure it out. Exactly. If you, Daniel Jones, you want to be a guy – Essentially, we won games with no playmakers on offense and winning defensively. Now we got an offense to complement it. We have a kicker that doesn't miss kicks, which is, you know, people don't want to talk about that, but that is, listen, when you know you're going to put your kicker out there and he's going to make them 80, 90% of the time like Gano did last year, that's a huge plus and a positive for the Giants. Because how many times have we seen teams miss extra points and field goals last year? And it's such a negative hit for a team going during the game. So I'm excited where the Giants are going. They're filling needs. That's the thing. They're filling needs, and they're not just taking the best player. They're filling guys that fit the scheme schematically. But Dory Jackson, if anyone knew about him in college, he's one of the best punt kick returners, too, in college football at the time. So he can give versatility both on the punt return and kick return if they don't want to wear out Pepper. He's going to give speed in that field, and it's just going to give the Giants just a better opportunity to compete because when you're playing the Dallas Cowboys who have three legit receivers with Gallup and Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, and then now you got, you're got you going to face the Washington football team with Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin and then Logan yeah. Thomas. You, listen, you're going to have to compete. These teams are getting better. We got to get better. We can't, we have to progress, and I'm excited for where the Giants are going. And it's only going to lead up to the NFL draft on April 29th and see yeah. what the Giants do because the Giants have hit pretty well in the in the draft. Yeah, this is this is a huge free agency for the Giants, and the Giants hit on needs, and that's where a team like you look at the Patriots. People go nuts about the money, but they got a lot of players that fit the schematic scheme for the, the Bill Belichick kind of way, and. They fit. They need. They had. They need. They had a lot of needs, and they filled a lot of those needs. And then going into the draft, maybe becomes a little more simpler for them. Maybe it makes the decision that much more easy for them. But like I said, with the Giants, they get the cornerback. What's up? Did you see what I sent you on Messenger? Maybe. So no, this was during. I don't know if you saw this earlier. Giants have restructured both Blake Martinez and James oh, Badger. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw they converted that. their base hours into signing bonuses. This moves creates a seven point five million dollar cap space. So that also gives some Giants more cap space going forward. But listen, I don't know what else the Giants are going to do in free agency. There's not a lot of big names out there, but that's okay. We don't need big names. No, this is all, this is all about now. What do the Giants figure out with the the draft coming up? And you got your receiver. You got your number one receiver. You got a sec- a cornerback that was a team need as well going into this draft. You got some linebacker depth. You added um, you added another running back. Maybe they look for another running back later in the draft and Devontae Booker backup. But you never you never know. You you can't shake your head and say no. You never know. But this is no. Well, maybe they bring that Gorman. when we did our first mock draft, when we did our first mock draft, you had them taking defensive line Kiwit Pay K uh, Kiwit Pay from Michigan. Now that that looks like that can change, or maybe that could stay the route because you look at it. To me, this is very this is a simple solution for the Giants. You take either the best offensive lineman available, add to that young. You need to add to that young offensive line. You go edge rusher, whether that's Rosa or Pay or well, one. Of you the saw Piper's mock draft. Maybe they, they right? trade back. Maybe they trade back down the line. Maybe they could add the kid Parsons. Don't know about him. I know he's got a lot of character issues, but that would be a great fifty traded back. And that that's the last option is trading back. So the Giants, they fill that a lot of needs. If they didn't get, like I said, if they didn't address Galladay or get even an Dory Jackson, the Giants would have a tougher situation going into the draft. Now a month away 
I'm th- I'm saying to myself, okay, well, I'm a lot more excited. I'm a, I'm a lot more comfortable with the decisions we've made so far in this free agency class that coming to the draft at 11, that could be a great trade option for teams. If say one of those quarterbacks like Mac Jones or drastically a Trey Lance or Justin Fields, which I doubt, highly doubt happens, drop. So you have one of those teams that trade back a trade up like the Patriots, the football team, or the Cardinals that I was seeing those options that we said, this, what kind of moves do you think the giants go now in the direction of the NFL draft since they've established a number one receiver, they get the cornerback, a second corner. Now where do they go? Well, well, so have you, did you see the Kuiper's 3.0 mock draft, the new one, the recent one? No, I missed who they, I I keep missing. So he had, so he had, he had the guy I chose in my mock draft one. He had Kitty play, uh, pay from Michigan going to 11 for the Giants. He says he's raw. He's super athletic. I think he only had 11 and a half sacks in three years. But he says they say based on what is going to come up on his NFL draft day thing, his kind of his own pre- private combine, he's going to show up. Like he's going to put up some freakish numbers, speed, athleticism, bench press. So what they're thinking is, could he be a JPP part two? Maybe not as big as JPP was like 6'5", 275, but freakish athleticism, you know, speed off the end. You know, he could come in and be a a second and third down pass rusher on special situations in his rookie season and build up. He doesn't have to be an every down line, especially when you're signing guys like Ryan Anderson and Reggie Ragland and you've got other pieces that are there that can give you more on first down run, stop, and defense. And then you can bring in the speed. Remember, JPP, he wasn't – he didn't start on the D-line, but he – as the season progressed – they they when he came out, he didn't have a lot of experience. He only played like 15 or 16 games – and he, I didn't have a lot of experience, but he, the main word was raw. And it turned out to be a great pick for the Giants at the time. And, and, and super athletic. So I, I, I like him. Just his athleticism. I mean, you could just see on the field, even though he doesn't have the sack production. The Listen, you don't have to have sacks to be productive. You know, people don't really re- realize this, but quarterback pressures are sometimes more important than sacks because either the quarterback has to throw it sooner than he has to, you know, that's why you say the Leonard Williams signing was huge because I know he doesn't have the, a lot of sacks up until last year, but he was one of the top guys in getting quarterback pressures. That's just as important as sacks. And that affects the entire play right there. If the quarterback's got to move or it throws everything off the rhythm, it throws everything off. So, you know, do they go pass rusher? Do they take the kid out of mission? Do they take one of the kids, Phillips or Rousseau, out of Miami? But I think both, all three of those guys, if they do choose to trade back, which is not into the – it's not a Gettleman's strategy. It's not something the Giants are used to doing. If they do choose to do something like that, I believe both guys will be there easily. All three of those guys, one or the other, will be there in the teens, which then the Giants could add extra draft assets later in the second, third, and fourth rounds, which means – which we have done before. We moved up and we got uh, Leo Collins. I mean, we got the kid Colin, uh, Landon Collins from Alabama. We moved up to get Xavier McKinney, you know, and guys that were very productive for the Giants. So – you grab that extra pick later, you move up in the second, third round and go get that guy that you really can – maybe another receiver in the second round, maybe another offensive line, maybe an offensive lineman. Because the one thing maybe. you will say about the offensive line class, if anyone knows about the draft combine, is 
There's a lot of depth in the offensive line class. There really is. It, it, you don't have the big, big names up the top. Offensive line. You're going to have the kid Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. You're going to have Penny Sewell, which everyone knows about. Those guys will probably be chosen both in the top ten. But after that, there's a drop-off. But there's great depth later in the second and third round. So if the Giants do choose go pass rusher in that number 11 pick, I think they can fill offensive line voids in the second, third, and fourth rounds. And and I think this, like you said, Trevor, when you, when you open to this segment, by filling the need that cornerback and receiver, you don't have to worry about taking one of the three receivers and hoping that they're there. Yeah, I, I believe. And could both- the, I mean, could the Giants actually surprise people and add depth into that already pretty deep receiving core now, even with the addition of John Ross? I mean, uh, the, I, I sent you a report yesterday that the Giants are targeting Devontae Smith, the former Heisman can- uh, Trophy winner from Alabama. I mean, you see that and you're like, do the Thank Giants? You. Go all in on the offensive weapons for Daniel weapons. Jones. Weapons, weapons, me weapons. Personally, me personally, I want, I want an offensive lineman just because if you want Daniel Jones to succeed, he's already had injuries the past couple of years. We want to keep him healthy, upright, and making plays to those big to Sterling, to Evan Ingram, to Saquon, to Galladay, to Rudolph, to uh, John Ross. I know, it, I know it hasn't brought a lot of success, but like what the Cowboys did last year. They didn't really need to draft C.D. Lamb. But when a guy is that talented sitting right there, how do you pass yeah. him up? How do you pass yeah, a guy like how, how did they pan out last year offensively? Do, right? do, you, do you really think that they wouldn't have been in the playoffs last year if Dak Prescott played the whole season? You don't think they would have well, had because the of, Because only because – I only say that – well, you maybe say that because of how god-awful the, the, the uh, division was. I mean, if that division is any – have any sort of normalcy like any other year – we're not talking about the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. We're not talking about the Giants even having a chance, the Eagles even having a chance. I mean, if any of those teams had some sort of uh, normalcy, none of them would have made it. Dallas would have won that division if Dak was healthy. I truly believe that. One way, listen, I, they would have, listen, just because they were one and three doesn't mean they would have won the division. They would have had more. Only reason, hold on. The only reason why, here's the thing what you said about CD Lamb. It's great to get a weapon like that. He's been he was amazing for the Dallas Cowboys, but they needed more help in that defense, and it showed. It truly showed this year. This is where I said with the Giants. Yeah, they got weapons now. It'd be great to add another weapon, Jalen Waddle. Oh my God, they they could blow the roof off anytime they come into a stadium with the type of speed and the game changing plays that these guys can have. Look, it looks like the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. bro. We have John uh-huh. Ross, Darius Slayton, and I know Waddle. it'd be great, but still. You need to have protection. A big need for this Giants, and it is still a question mark, is this offensive line. Andrew Thomas played well at the end. He struggled throughout parts of the season, but he finished off strong. You he still, was the worst of the four tackles last year. Well, Hernandez, hold on. You still have Will Hernandez that struggled big time last year. Nate Soldier is going to be there, but how much are we taking him serious? Matt Pert, is he ready? Um, Nick Gates, this is still a big question Shane- Shane Lemieux. Into next year for the Giants. Oh, no. I Trust me. I, I Listen, I agree with you. I'm Anything, you, I would love for them to trade up and go get Sewell. But I know realistically it ain't going to happen. Well, here, here's the thing. They, have, they probably have to move Andrew Thomas. See, we just talked about this before the show. Would you rather go boom or bust or would you rather be safe? And, when, and then what I mean by that is what we heard from last year's was Becton was maybe the boom or bust of the, of the, of the, of the, uh, the tackles. Andrew Thomas was the safest pick. Well, after watching rookie season one, 
Andrew Thomas was the worst of the four offensive linemen that got chosen in the first round of Becton, Tristan Wirfs, and, uh, Tr- and uh, oh, my God, Jedrick Wells from yeah. Cleveland. He was the worst tackle of the four. Truth. The numbers yeah. explain. I don't need to give you the PFF grades and everything. It, plain and simple, he was the worst. Now, he wasn't bad. He got better. He struggled like any other. But Becton played really well. Tristan Wirfs was the best of all four of them. I mean, excuse, yeah, Tristan Ward from Tampa Bay. And maybe that has to do with Tampa Bay and, and Brady and everything else. But he played the best. And then, you know, and then, and then Jedrick Wills, for the most part, had a really solid season in Cleveland. Yeah, was, they, were, they were all great. Even Thomas had moments where he was great. But most of the season had some up and downs that you were like. My yeah. thing is this. I don't think Penny Stewart will be we're there. We're shaking your head. We'll see what happens with Penny Stewart. Well, I think one of the tackles could be there. At eleven, I, I, would, I, think, say, I think I would say Slater is there. Dershaw from Virginia Tech is still still maybe too high at that situation. The kid well, and that's, why, and that's another USC. because here's the thing: we still don't know what the Jets are going to do. That's still the funny part. We don't know what the Jets are going to do at two. As of now, they have Sam Donald. Now, if you saw Corey Davis said when he signed with the Jets, he had the assumption that when he signed with the Jets, Sam Donald would be their quarterback. So, what do they do? Do they choose another receiver? Listen, yep. I I think if I'm them, I know exactly who I'm taking at number two. I'm taking Pitts. I'm Add taking. Weapon, I am taking. Or Jamar the, Chase. Add a weapon. I am taking the second best player in this whole entire draft class. See, I don't know if anyone's seen the draft a couple of years ago. Other than the quarterback, if there was no quarterback, the best player in the draft class last year was Chase Young. The year before that. Maybe the best player in the draft class was Nick Bosa. He went number two. The problem is – those. Let's be honest. Those two coming into the draft were the best players overall. The only reason why they weren't is because of the the, the position. Quarterback, exactly. And that's why Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one this year. But Kyle Pitts, other than Trevor Lawrence, is the best player coming into this draft class. It's not even close. It really isn't because the discrepancy – the difference between him and the next player at his in his position is is, is the kid is from Penn State. Enormous. It was like and a then, second or third round pick. And then here's the other, because you can argue all three of the receivers that you, which one you like. Do you like Waddle's deep play threat speed? Do you like Jamar Chase's overall versatility to be able to run in routes and deep routes? Do you like Devontae Smith's speed at Lesnar, but he's a little small? All three of them are complementary to whatever system you choose. Pitts is a whole different animal. Look at the game. The game is changing. Tight ends are changing the game. Darren Wall for for Las Vegas. Kelsey. Um, uh, help me. I mean, we had Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz before he got injured. I mean, listen, that's what the Giants hoped with Evan Ingram. But this kid Pitts just ran a 4-4-6 in yesterday's combine. He's 6'4", 245 pounds. You, he can block. He's a willing blocker. He might not be the best, but who cares? He could do everything that you want. He is a mismatch. You're not going to be able to put a linebacker on him. Listen, Alabama, who was the best. I know, I know what I've been saying about the Jets. I mean, I know what. Alabama was the best defense in the country. They couldn't guard him. They double covered him. Everyone knew he was getting the ball. They still yeah, couldn't Nine receptions, 108 yards, and like two touchdowns. So, with that being said, if I'm the Jets and I'm going to go see him, Darnold, I'm going to take Pitts because now I have Pitts up the steam with Corey Davis, with, with the kid Denzel Mims that I drafted last year from Baylor. I got the tackle. Now, they could also go tackle. If they choose to and have the bookend offensive lineman and give Sam Donald some real 
real protection, but we don't know yeah. what they're going to do. That's the trick. Number three, I think I think Miami definitely goes off as a weapon. I think they go receiver. I think that's a no-doubter. I just don't know who they take. Four, what does Atlanta do? What Does Atlanta really take their What are we doing, a mock draft right now? What the hell are we no, doing? Saying, when you look no, at it. I, me, me, I've been on the whole Jets situation of saying, I, I know how I've been, and I'm not changing my view on it. The, the Jets should keep Dar Sam Darnold one more year, and they shouldn't take Zach Wilson. And Dan Orlowski said it best. Which Zach Wilson are you watching? What tape are you watching? 2020 tape, which he was amazing. Don't get me wrong. But go watch 2019 and see how great Zach Wilson was. All I'm trying to say is you weapons, you, we haven't seen the true Sam Darnold because of the fact that, yeah, he's been injured, but their offensive line has been the worst since he's been there. They've had the worst bunch of weapons since he's been there. I mean, for goodness sake, they averaged, what, 11 or 12 points a game last year? They were god-awful. No quarterbacks winning with that. I'm sorry. They go get Corey Davis. They have Becton. You got Mims. You have the number two pick. You have a golden opportunity to really think about this, Joe Douglas, and go add to your add to the future with adding another big weapon, whether that's Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase. I really don't see Waddle or um, Devontae Smith going at two. I either see Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts if they go offensive weapon. Are you really going to reset the button again and say, let's go with Zach Wilson? I don't know. Me personally, I'm giving Sam Darnold another year. Give him some weapons, and if he still can't do it, just like Daniel Jones and Tua Tagovailoa, guess what? All three of them should hit the road, Jack, because plain and simple, that's what it comes down to. Give him some weapons. Give him some protection. We're going to have all that talking about. We're going to have we're gonna have our mock draft coming out by at least the end of the week. we got to get 2.0. It's only under – what are we at? What are we at? March 24th? About a month and five days, buddy. We're about 35 days away from the NFL draft. So let's close out with this because – oh, wrong thing. Whoops. I'm getting excited. So we see this last week. We talked about it. We had a whole preview show of the NSA March Madness. We talked about it. But let's just say one of my brackets is gone. So And half of that bracket, the other bracket, half of that national championship is gone. So we talked about it all season, and we looked at it. And my question – to say in general, hold on, we're having some is should we have expected this in March Madness? Not just because it's March Madness and we get upsets all the time, but this season with all the COVID battles, I mean, we had a cancellation for the first time was Oregon and VCU. I remember you sent me that because of COVID protocol, COVID, somebody got COVID. So, like, we have a 15 seed. Now, that doesn't really happen. Florida Gulf Coast is the last team to get to the Sweet 16, which they did eventually lose in the Sweet 16, but Oral Roberts is there. Did we expect Loyola Chicago to dethrone the Big Ten champs and one of the runners in Illinois? Well, Loyola Chicago should have never been there. Hold on. And the way they beat Illinois, did we expect the Big Ten coming into this tournament having nine teams now with only the Sweet 16 left, they have one team left? I mean, these are all questions. The Pac-12 dominating the way they did. Kansas getting dominated. Iowa getting dominated. The only team that I can see right now that I'm saying, that's the team that I'm going with, very confidently. And then second, you might be really surprised. I go with the Zags, and I'm going with Loyola Chicago. I'm very, very impressed with that defense. I love Baylor, too. Jazz and Pat all weekend. That defense can go a long way in this tournament. 
Well, here's the thing. We have to understand this. This is no different than the NBA. The bubble works for some teams. It doesn't work for others. Now, let's start with the NCAA tournament. There's a bubble. Everyone's playing in Indiana. In, in past years, for the last 1,000 years, I'll use Dad's words, it was regional. Villanova's a one seed. Where would they be playing? Philadelphia. Duke and UNC, where would they be playing? Greensburg. Where's Gonzaga playing? Up in the West Coast. Where is the where is one of the Pac-12s? Down in Arizona or down in Vegas or in California. Where's Kansas playing? Oh, the Midwest region in St. Louis, only 30 yeah. miles from home. Guess what? They don't have the home court advantage. They don't have the fans to back them. Okay? So they don't get that extra support that you would normally get from the home field advantage. Here's the other thing. The one-and-done rule is killing college basketball, folks. And if you haven't realized, it's ruining college basketball. Veteran teams like Gonzaga and Baylor and Loyola Chicago are taking advantage of this. Veteran teams, guys that have been there. Also, like Chaz has said before, teams that want to be there, okay? Guys that actually want to be there and win. They're not thinking about the NBA uh, combine and draft coming up. They're not thinking about their future. They're thinking about now, all right? You know, you think about you look at the thing. I also say this: a lot of teams were misseeded. I didn't think Loyola Chicago was an eight seed. How could they be an eight seed and be the fifteenth ranked team in the country? That means they were like the 30, 35th best team in the country. Then why are they ranked fifteen in the eight people? They they should have been a four seed. I mean, we talked about this when we did the show. West Virginia was a three seed. Oklahoma was a Oklahoma State was a four seed. Oklahoma State had beaten West Virginia two times in the last week and a half. They beat them in the tournament at the end of the season. So you know. What's wrong with that? I also think, you know, don't tell don't tell me they don't think about this, but they had Loyola Chicago play Illinois in the second round because of TV. Central Florida versus Duke. I was looking at it in our memories. You don't think they thought, hey, let's, we can have Taco Fall versus Zion? You know, the They're looking for matchups. They're looking for entertainment. They got to do something to draw in the fans, something to be exciting about. All right? Uh, here's another thing. Because of the season we had this year of COVID, there was only um, divisional play. Excuse me. There was only divisional play, meaning the Big Ten only played the Big Ten. A they didn't play team. anyone else. No one got, So you didn't know what these teams were going to play. Other, You know, usually you play five, six, ten other teams outside your conference. So, you, you know, UConn plays a Texas. They play a Georgia. They play Ohio State. You Ohio State plays a Kansas and then. The problem is they maybe beat up on each other so much in their in their conference that when the actual tournament came, they had nothing left. It was a whole different ball game. I did say that a couple teams that were decimated with COVID coming in did get eventually eliminated early on, Virginia and Kansas. I mean, you look at it, just poor showing by the Big Ten. Ohio State, one of the front runners to maybe get to a Final Four. Got one, crushed. Um, got crushed. Um, well, like oh, Virginia, um, Iowa getting killed. Purdue is another team that everybody's very high on, and they went down in the first round. It was the Pac-12 has one loss. It was Colorado. They have one loss. I mean, think about this: the Pac-12 was six and one, I believe, in the tournament so far. They had one loss. It was Colorado to Florida State. Pac-12 is going to have a team in the Elite Eight, one way or another. Oregon versus USC. How about Oregon yeah. State? Two weeks ago, they won't even make the tournament. They've been on such a hot run. They played so well. I mean, watch out. Yeah, you look, at, you look, you look at the matchups right now. You got, I mean, Michigan, Florida State should be a great one. UCLA, how about UCLA is another team? They could be in the Elite Eight. 
I'm not surprised by that because for the five years in a row, we said in the tournament, one of the playing games team who have won have made it to the Sweet 16. That's been one consideration. So the high, so we got a 15, we have a 12, we have two 11s still around. Got a six and a seven, and then you get the normal. You get the normal uh, one or fives. So you get three number one still avail around, which I was surprised that Michigan. I, I thought I thought LSU would come in and uh, beat Michigan, but to oh, see no. continuing the fight even without Isaiah Livers, that's they look good too. They look good, Trev. Big Ten is saying, please, Michigan, give us hope because if they go down, there's nothing in the Big Ten. Who many people said around the country it was the best co- best conference in the country this season. Well, they haven't certainly showed that in postseason time. All it's been great so far. I've loved it. The madness has been going on. I don't even care about the brackets anymore. My bracket was gone when Illinois went down, but I can't wait for Thursday. It's it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday is when the pro- which it's kind of weird, but it is. Can I ask one more question? Because I know you were with the guys in Tampa, and they had mentioned in the group chat, are you disappointed with all the big seeds getting into the later round? Meaning, are you disappointed that we're not seeing the big seeds? That there's the lack of big seeds? That there's the lack of – Let me put it this way. Remember a couple years ago when it was like Loyola, Chicago, and I forget who else was in the uh, Final Four, and then you had the two big ones. Are you? Would you be disappointed – if you saw like a Syracuse versus Loyola, right, so let me hold on. So I'll go through it right now. If I saw Gonzaga versus USC or Oregon, I wouldn't be minding that. Michigan or Florida State versus Alabama, I really don't want to see UCLA in the Elite Eight. But if I saw Michigan, Florida State, Alabama, that'd be good. That would um, be fun. That one, the Illinois brackets, the crazy one. I really want to see Loyola Chicago. I'm rooting for them now. Syracuse, think, bro, Buddy Bayheim. I think Loyola Chicago is going to the Final Four. Or uh, yeah, I think they're going to the Final Four, and then Baylor, Villanova, or Arkansas. I think I think think, I think I think Baylor's going to win that, but I I think Baylor. Villanova's playing well. I mean, I'm rooting for Chaz and Mr. Reeters V's up, but it's going to be a tough one. Baylor looks good right now defensively. They look like they're playing their game. They're scoring at will. It's going to be a tough out to get the Baylor Bears out. But if I had to say the Elite Eight, I mean. I wouldn't mind seeing Loyal Chicago versus get into the Final Four again. I wouldn't. I think we shouldn't consider them underdogs anymore. Cinderella. Mr. Gene, baby. That'd be twice in two year, or a couple of years now. So it's been great so far. It's been a pleasure, and it's been unknown as we expected a week ago. Let's see how the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight play out. But, ladies and gentlemen, we are signing off. Before we go, we just want to say happy birthday to our little sister, Monica. She shouldn't have no. She's not really little anymore. She's 27. She's 27 now. But it is her 27th birthday. I hope you guys have a great time. I miss you guys. So, Ted, we're signing off. Clovercrest Media, we're streaming on all social media platforms, I should say. So subscribe, comment, share, or like. Clovercrest Media presents Keys to the City. We are out. So you know you really viewing greatness In the making Double up on facts we stating Podcasting, cruise control, city, state, the nation So what you saying, what we saying Prime information Facts, keys to the city We're unlocking the statements Streaming every Friday